This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Bowl season is in full swing. I am recording this on the December 26th, so we've had a lot of bowl games already happen. There's a lot of bowl games still to happen. We are just two days away from the semifinal playoff games, so then we will have our national championship set and so many other of New Year's Six bowl games and so many other bowl games. Uh, So I'm going to break down what we've seen a little bit, preview a little bit of what is yet to come. Also going to take a look at the NFL Rookie Report for Week 16 of the NFL season. So a lot of different things to get through. Obviously, with the holidays, everyone might listen to this at different times. So some of the things that I am previewing may have already happened by the time you listen to this podcast. So I won't spend too much on previewing the things that are upcoming in the next couple days, just in case that you might not get to listen to this to a little bit later. I don't want it to be stale, but the guys that I'm going to talk about are still guys that should be on your radar and could be intriguing nonetheless. Since I last recorded and previewed those first set of bowl games, a couple things stood out that I did want to cycle back to and mention. Uh, In the Frisco Bowl, I talked about how uh, Kent State was going to face Utah State, and the player to watch was Jordan Love. He was 30 of 39, 317 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, Jordan Love headed to the Senior Bowl. I think it's going to be the biggest job interview of his life, more than the probably even more than the Combine. I think the Senior Bowl is really going to get an opportunity for him to sell himself to an NFL roster. Uh, And I think it could be a big week. Recently, he had you know a little bit of an off-the-field incident. He's going to have to answer questions about that, Jordan Love. But I think there's going to be a huge opportunity for him, you know, coming from Utah State, you know, not facing top level competition on a regular basis, but at the same time playing with an inferior cast around him as well. Very toolsy, big arm, athletic, can move around in the pocket. Uh, there's been some light Patrick Mahomes comparisons, and I think those comparisons are more in terms of what people thought about Patrick Mahomes when he was coming out. So when you hear those Mahomes comparisons, or when you hear, you know, aspects of his game compared to Patrick Mahomes, please take it with a grain of salt and understand that people who are making those comparisons are not sitting here, I don't think, and saying that he's, you know, has the upside of what Patrick Mahomes has became in the NFL. People are saying Jordan Love and and comparing him to Patrick Mahomes of what he was when he was coming out into the NFL, a guy who was very toolsy, who had athleticism, who can move around the pocket, can flick that wrist and throw it 50, 60 yards down the field, had the arm talent to make every NFL throw, but had question marks about translating to the NFL game, his decision-making, his progression reading, you know, components of his accuracy, all that stuff. So I do think I understand those comparisons if you look at them for what people thought about Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, if anybody thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be the player that he's blossomed into at the NFL level, he would have been the first pick in the draft and he would have been a consensus, you know, top two, top three pick. And it would have been a no doubt about it. But obviously it wasn't, you know, that was the draft class of Mitchell Trubisky and Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. There wasn't a lot of clarity in terms of who the top quarterback prospect was in that class. So understand where those comparisons are coming when people say Jordan Love has 
has comparisons to Patrick Mahomes. It's all about their the pre-draft takes on Mahomes and his skill set and what he did in college and the idea of him translating to the next level. Another guy I want to talk about, I mentioned the Cure Bowl, which was Liberty versus Georgia Southern. And the guy I said to keep your eye on was Antonio Gandy-Golden. He performed five catches, 63 yards, and one touchdown. I think it was a good finishing out his career like that. Now all eyes turn to Mobile, and how does Antonio Gandy-Golden look down in that setting? It will be a massive step up in competition. How does, can he show that he can create separation against better athletes? That's my one big concern about him at the NFL level. I have little doubt that he's going to win at the catch point and he's going to show the ability to go up, high point the ball, use that length to his advantage. But in terms of creating consistent separation against better athletes and better level of competition, that's got to start at the senior ball. I think it's a really important week for him. And if he has a great week, I think he could catapult himself into the top 100 mix. If he doesn't have a great week, I think we're talking more about a date prospect. So I think it have big ramifications down there for Antonio Gandy-Golden. The Camellia Bowl. I mentioned last week FIU quarterback James Morgan. Dame Rugler mentioned that there are some scouts that have the draftable grade on him. So I was interested to see how he performed in this. 22 of 38, 312 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. I think he, I thought he held his own in this situation. Still a guy that I want to get some more highlights and film on before I make a determination on what I feel about James Morgan. But I thought he showed some things in this game that, that lead me to believe to understand why Dane said that some scouts have a draftable grade on James Morgan. On the other side of that game, Arkansas State wide receiver Omar Omar Bayless, I talked about him. I think he's heading down to the NFL PA Bowl, had over 1,400 yards. He didn't disappoint in this game, nine catches, 180 yards, one touchdown. Make sure you you understand Omar Bayless and remember that name. He could be a guy that could potentially get a call up from the NFL PA Bowl or you, you hear about him. Uh, in the NFLPA bowl game, and then in the pre-draft process, maybe at like a pro day, he could be a name uh, as, as a late-round flyer or a, a priority UDFA for the production he's had in college and the skill set that he possesses. A couple other things that stood out in the bowl games. Uh, Jacob Easton uh, led Washington to a 38-7 win over Boise State. He finished out his career 22 of 32, 210 yards. And the big decision was recently announced in the last 24 hours that he has declared for the NFL draft. I think he is squarely in the top 50 mix. If he has a good pre-draft process, I would not be surprised to see Jacob Eason catapult himself into the round one discussion and mix. Very much a traditional pocket passing type quarterback. Not a guy who's going to do a lot with his legs or buy time in the pocket. Uh, So, he might not be for everybody because we know the NFL is really skewing towards quarterbacks that can make things happen with their legs and not necessarily in terms of picking up chunk yards, but being able to move around in the pocket, open up the playbook already, you know, roll calls, uh, rollouts and, and things like that. So I do think Jacob Eason is an intriguing prospect. He has shown some growth and development this year, but very inexperienced still. So I do think there'll be question marks. I don't think he'll be for everybody, but some teams will be intrigued with him. Would not be surprised to see him potentially go in the late round one mix or even mid first round, but also could see him fall similar to Drew Locke last year, you know, into that middle of the second round as well. So I think he's squarely in the top 50 mix. I'd be surprised if he fell out of the top two rounds. And I do think round one is a legitimate possibility for Jacob Eason. 
uh, in the Hawaii Bowl. Uh, I told you to watch out for two prospects, Matt Bushman, the tight end from BYU, and Cole McDonald, the quarterback out of Hawaii. Both did not disappoint. Matt Bushman, one of the top tight end prospects in this draft, six catches, 91 yards. Cole McDonald, who I have, as of this recording, I have yet to hear whether or not he plans on declaring. I uh, think it would be beneficial for him to go back. 28 of 46, 493 yards, and four touchdowns. Mentioned on the previous show, very toolsy, very intriguing prospect. Uh, some things to like about it. Obviously, very efficient, prolific in terms of his collegiate stats, but I do think he'd benefit to go back for another year and see if he can use that final season to kind of catapult his draft stock up a little bit, maybe be considered a top 100 prospect. I think right now he'd be more of a day three guy uh, if he declares potentially you know, a mid to late round prospect that somebody takes a flyer on. So those are some quick thoughts on the games that have already been played as of this recording. There's a couple games who uh, are going to take place today. Miami versus La Tech uh, in the Independence Bowl. In the Quick Lane Bowl, Pittsburgh versus Eastern Michigan. Talked about last time. Not a lot of prospects uh, really looking forward to watching in that. So going to take this to the tail of the tape uh, where I take a look at the next set of bowl games uh, and just give my quick thoughts on, on prospects I'm looking forward to seeing, or just prospects you should have on your radar for the pre-draft process and guys you should know. You know, some a lot of guys, uh, uh, highly rated or highly regarded guys, some of them are, are sitting out the bowl games. Uh, I think I have all the guys who are sitting out, but there could be some other ones that I missed along the way here because it is something that so many of these guys, you know, end up uh, deciding that they're not going to play in the bowl games and it's easy to miss some of that as well. Uh on the 27th of December, there's a handful of games. The first one is UNC versus Temple. Uh, I should be on Temple quarterback Anthony Russo. He was a guy that Tony Pauline uh, mentioned in the before the season started as a guy that you know could be a riser at the quarterback position and intrigue some NFL teams. He'll be a guy that I'll be watching this year. He is a guy that is in the scouting notebook, interested to watch some more film and update that on this past season as well. So in the military bowl, keep an eye on quarterback at a temple, Anthony Russo in the pinstripe bowl, Michigan state is playing wake forest. Brian Lewarki will close out his career at Michigan state. I've never been a big fan of Brian Lewarki. He had some fans prior to last season, but in the last two years and anytime I've watched film on Lewarki, he just really didn't think, I think we're talking more about a late round UDF type quarterback, not a guy who I think is an early round or a mid round guy. In the in the Texas Bowl, Oklahoma State is playing Texas A and M. One of the more intriguing games that I'm excited to watch. Chubba Hubbard uh, does he declare? Very prolific year this year. Obviously, it's a great running back class, but Trevor Harbord squarely, I think, would be in the round two, round three mix if he declares uh, a dynamic weapon that an NFL team would get excited about adding to their backfield. I don't think he's a guy who's going to carry the rock, you know, 16 to 18 times at the NFL level, but I do think he could be a guy who catches, gets 12 to 14 touches a game and be a part of an offense and add a dynamic uh, piece to to any offense that he ends up on. Uh, on the Texas A&M side, Jamon Osborne, a guy that Matt and I have been fans of for years. Kellen Mond uh, at Texas A&M, the quarterback. And then the underclassman, Isaiah Spiller, uh, a guy who I think we'll be talking about for years to come at the running back position. And eventually when his time comes, a guy that's highly regarded in terms of his draft status. The Holiday Bowl will be USC versus Iowa. Uh, on the USC side, Michael Pittman Jr., Tyler Vons, Amon Ross St. Brown, the, the wide receiver trio there. Michael Pittman Jr. headed to the Senior Bowl. Really been a riser. I mentioned uh, in a recent episode that I think he's locked in now to day two. Uh, 
I, I don't even think it's out of the realm of possibility. He gets some late round one buzz, but I think he's definitely a day two prospect. Really outstanding year, catapulted himself, uh, I think, into more of the national attention. Uh, excited to see that finally blossoming into the player uh, that many thought he could be when he ended up at USC years ago. On the Iowa side, Nate Stanley. Another guy, another quarterback prospect that some have been much higher on than me. Uh, I think he's a guy that is, again, another mid to late round prospect. I think he's a, a career backup, uh, but some like him a little bit more than me. In the cheese it Bowl, uh, Washington State versus Air Force. Uh, keep an eye on Anthony Gordon. He's a quarterback. He's going to be... Uh, Added to the the scouting notebook soon. He's headed to the Senior Bowl. Six three, two hundred and ten pounds. Obviously, very efficient, prolific season passing for Washington State. Uh, I want to hold off uh, in terms of what I think about his overall game until I watch a little bit more in depth on him. But he's a guy I'll squarely be watching this game with eyes on Anthony Gordon under uh, Max Borgie, the running back out of Washington State. Another guy you should have your eyes on in this game. On the 28th of December, a lot of big games there, including the semifinals to close out the night. Earlier in the day, the Cotton Bowl, Memphis versus Penn State. Keep an eye on Patrick Taylor, the running back out of Memphis. Really big, strong, physical power, interior runner. On the Penn State side, K.J. Hamler, uh, undecided about whether he's going to declare. Undersized, but very fast speed, big play guy. And then Pat Fryer moved one of the top tight ends in the country. Our guys will be watching on that. In terms of the Camping World Bowl, Iowa State versus ND. On the Iowa State side, keep an eye on uh, underclassman running back Breach Hall. He's a name to file away as a guy you want to try to get on your Debbie rosters. We'll be talking about him over the next couple of years. On the ND side, Cole Komet and Chase Claypool, two of uh, the top guys draft eligible prospects at their position. Cole Komet's probably going to be in the top three, the top five tight end prospects. Chase Claypool probably going to be a guy who will be in that late day two, uh, early day three mix, uh, the wide receiver from Notre Dame. And then the two semifinal games, Matt and I talked about them uh, right after they were announced. We previewed them a little bit, but, you know, Oklahoma LSU, obviously on the Oklahoma side, you know, Jalen Hurts, how does he perform against LSU? Can they, can they score enough to keep it close? Uh, CD Lamb at the wide receiver position, one of the top wide receivers in the country. Kennedy Brooks should be getting the bulk of the workload there. Uh, Strong, powerful interior inside runner there in Kennedy Brooks. On the LSU side, obviously Joe Burrow. At this point, it's, he's almost a lock to be the first pick to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's injury going to something that hampered them in this game? I mean, last week he was on crutches. Now, tentatively, he's scheduled to play. Is he limited by at all by that injury? I think something to file away. And then, obviously, the wide receivers. Eyes on Terrence Marshall Jr., Jamar Chase, uh, and Justin Jefferson. Obviously, Jefferson is the one who will be in this draft class uh, to to really keep an eye on in terms of the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, my prediction is still LSU rolls pretty comfortably in that one, wins somewhere between 17 and 20 points, uh, I think, in that game. I think Oklahoma keeps it close pretty early on, but I think LSU is just going to be too much, and I don't see Oklahoma defense being able to get too many stops against that LSU offense. In terms of the nightcap to the semifinals, that's a Fiesta Bowl. Clemson versus Ohio State. So many prospects to keep an eye on on the Clemson side. Obviously, quarterback Trevor Lawrence, not eligible for the 2020 draft, but obviously went through this last year, won a national championship. Uh, the experience factor might be huge in this game for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, obviously, in terms of draft eligible offensive prospects, Travis Ethian, probably in the top five running back prospects in the 2020 draft class, explosive uh, burst 
stop, one stop and cut acceleration. And then obviously at the wide receiver position, I should be on T Higgins, who will be one of the top, I think, five wide receiver prospects in this class. And then underclassman wide receiver, Justin Ross, who in the 2021 draft, he will be one of the top wide receiver prospects in there as well. On the Ohio State side, Justin Fields, obviously Fields versus Trevor Lawrence. This is a matchup that, you know, I know Matt has been talking about these guys since they were high school kids and how special each of them could be. So it's amazing that they're going to match up here in a semifinal playoff game to get to the national championship. I expect Fields to play well. I do think the experience factor with Lawrence could be the difference in this game. I do expect Clemson to win a close game. But Ohio State, in terms of draft-eligible prospects, keep an eye on J.K. Dobbins. I think he's squarely now in the mix as a top three or four running back prospect in this class. And then KJ Hill, a guy I've been talking about all year. I think he's flying under the radar a little bit. I think he could be a little bit of a riser in the pre-draft process, similar to McLaurin and Paris Campbell last year. Would not be surprised to see him in the top 100 or early date remix as well. Uh, Like I said, I think Clemson wins. I think LSU wins. I think that will be your national championship matchup. Uh, after the semifinal game, obviously no games on the 29th. That's a Sunday, week 17 of the NFL season. Uh, I'm going to go through these a little bit quicker. There's a lot of games uh, after the semifinal games between that and then the national championship game. The first responder bowl, Western Michigan versus Western Kentucky. No one really that stands out in terms of draft eligible prospects from the offensive side of the ball. The Red Box Bowl between Illinois and California. Keep an eye on running back out of Illinois, Reggie Corbin. The Music City Bowl, Mississippi State versus Louisville. Guys I'll have my eyes on are Kylan Hill, the running back out of Mississippi State. Some were much higher on him in the pre-draft uh, before the preseason than I was. I thought he was more of a day-free type prospect, uh, physical you know, type running back, but has good receiving skills. I think that makes him stand out a little bit more than those other tough physical interior runners. Uh, but I didn't think he had the year that I think some expected him to really elevate his draft stock. On the Louisville side, Des Fitzpatrick, a, a, a guy Matt and I have been favorites of for quite some time. Obviously, once Lamar Jackson left, the offense as a whole has taken a, a drastic step back. But I do think Des Fitzpatrick is a very skilled wide receiver. Uh, interested to see him in this. In the Orange Bowl, Virginia versus Florida, the, obviously – uh, from the Florida side, keep an eye on the Michael P. Ryan. He's a guy that I'm seeing in people's top 10 running backs for this draft class. I'm not as high on him. Uh, again, I, I usually like guys who I think are a little bit more well-balanced, have another skill set. I don't really think P. Ryan's a guy who could impact the game on the receiving side too much. So I think he's more of a date free physical interior grinder type, uh, more than a guy who can make big plays in space or be a weapon in the receiving game. On New Year's Eve, 1231. You have the Belk Bowl, Kentucky, Virginia Tech. Nothing really standing out in terms of offensive prospects. Keep a close eye on the Sun Bowl between Florida State, Arizona State. We've had a lot of names here to talk about, but only guy that I really have my eyes on who's going to be playing in the game is Tamarian Terry, uh, the redshirt sophomore. I, I love his tape. I think he's a guy who could be a top 100 prospect. I think he could be a guy that could be an X receiver, be a number one or number two type on the NFL team in terms of his upside. He'll be playing in this game. No decision yet on whether or not he decides to go pro. But the, this game is more about the guys who have not, are not playing and decide to get ready for their the pre-draft process, and that's running back Cam Akers out of Florida State, 
running back, you know, Benjamin for Arizona State, and then wide receiver Brandon Ayuk uh, for Arizona State. Ayuk is someone you're going to see at the Senior Bowl. Talked about him last show as a guy who Dan Jeremiah is saying could have round one grades. Dane Brugler, Dane Brugler has been very high on him. So this is a guy who could be in the top 50 mix. I mentioned he will be one of the first guys added. Him and Justin Jefferson are at the top of the list in terms of adding them to the scouting notebook. And like I said, by the end of the first week in January, by the time the national championship happens, uh, those guys will be added to the scouting notebook. Uh, Liberty. Kansas State versus Navy. Keep an eye on Navy quarterback Malcolm Perry. And not that he's going to be drafted as a quarterback prospect, but he could be drafted as an offensive weapon, maybe a positional switch, maybe a running back, maybe a slash guy, uh, 5'9", 190, very good athlete. So uh, he could be the next Navy player that, that's drafted and NFL team tries to find a use for. Uh, Another bowl game between Georgia uh, State and Wyoming. Not a lot there in terms of offensive prospects to keep a close eye on. Uh, but next game, the Alamo Bowl between Texas and Utah. That's got some intriguing things. Sam Ellinger, Colin Johnson, Devin Duvernay, and Zach Moss. So obviously Moss from Utah. And then the Texas side, Ellinger, Colin Johnson, and Devin Duvernay. Uh, so that game could be an intriguing game. Texas kind of didn't live up to expectations this year. Utah was really close to potentially being in that playoff game uh, in the in the semifinal playoffs, uh, but that loss in the Pac-12 championship, you know, sent them down here to the Alamo Bowl. So keep an eye on a couple of those guys. On New Year's Day, a couple of games to really are intriguing. One is the Citrus Bowl between Michigan and Alabama. I think from the Michigan side, how does Shea Patterson look in this game? He's finished out the season strong. His skill set is something that I think intrigues. He's got a big arm. He can move around. He's got athleticism. His inconsistency has basically followed him throughout his collegiate career, but he's kind of closed this year out pretty strong. How does he do? Alabama's defense is not the juggernaut it's been in the past. Some guys have decided to sit out. So can Shea Patterson close out his collegiate career and use this game as a springboard to his pre-draft process? He's headed to the Senior Bowl. I think that's an area... And, uh, environment for him to potentially look well in uh, and show off that athleticism and big arm. The receivers there, Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Tariq Black, how do they do against the Alabama defensive backs? On the Alabama side, obviously all the wide receivers as of now I think are playing. So you got Jerry Judy, you got Henry Ruggs, uh, you got Devonta Smith. There's a lot of talk that all three of those guys could go in round one. Uh, I think Devonta Smith will probably end up being a top 50 guy. But I do think Judy is a top 10, top 12 pick. I think Henry Ruggs goes somewhere probably in the 20s. And I think Devonta Smith probably is somewhere in the top 40 or top 50. So you're talking about three wide receivers potentially in the top 50. And then Jalen Waddell, who next year will be a highly regarded 2021 wide receiver prospect. Has Najee Harris look, a guy who I think is finally put it all together this year and showed how skillful of a player he is, how quick and mobile and, uh, and his agility for a big man, his receiving capabilities, I think stock up on Najee Harris. The outback bowl between Minnesota and Auburn, some guys to watch there on the Auburn side, Seth Williams and Bo Nix. The wide receivers on Minnesota's side, Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. Tyler Johnson's headed to the Shrine game. We've talked a lot about him. Big disconnect between what it sounds like the NFL scouts think of him and what the NFL draft and Twitter uh, folks think in the Debbie community thinks of Tyler Johnson. Can he use this game against Auburn? Auburn's strong defense to catapult his pre-draft process. A good game against Auburn, a good Shrine Bowl game. Maybe he gets a call up to the Senior Bowl and then uh, an invite to the Combine. So I think it's a big, big opportunity for Tyler Johnson over the next couple weeks. 
Uh, the Rose Bowl between Wisconsin and Oregon. Uh, Justin Herbert closes out his collegiate career for Oregon. How does he perform in this setting? And then Jonathan Taylor, uh, one of the top running back prospects for Wisconsin, his eyes will be on him. And then the cap out that night, the Sugar Bowl, Baylor versus Georgia. On the Baylor side, I've talked about him a lot. Denzel Mims, the wide receiver, is the guy I'll be watching. On the Georgia side, Jake Fromm. No word yet on whether or not Jake Fromm plans on coming back for his senior year or declare for the draft. And DeAndre Swift, one of the top wide receiver, I mean, top running back prospects in the country. I think if he does come out, he's got a strong opportunity to be the first running back selected due to his versatility to be impact in terms of the running game and also the passing game. On uh, January 2nd is the Birmingham Bowl, BC versus Cincinnati. A.J. Dillon would be the guy that we would be watching, but he's decided to just get ready for the pre-draft process. I'm a little bit higher, I think, on A.J. Dillon than than some. I think he's got a shot to be a top 100 pick. Uh, very athletic for a big guy. Obviously, receiving is a big question mark in that regards, uh, but I'm still a fan of A.J. Dillon. I think he should be in the top 10 of, of this running back class and, and be a guy who could go in the top 100. The Tax Slayer Bowl between Tennessee and Indiana. Keep an eye on two Tennessee wide receivers, Jawan Jennings, and Marquez Callaway. Juwan Jennings is headed to the Senior Bowl. So this is an opportunity to see these guys uh, before their pre-draft process really kicks into high gear. And then the game's rounding out the bowl season before the national championship. Not a lot to talk about, but it's Ohio versus Nevada, Tulane versus Southern Miss, and Miami of Ohio versus Louisiana Lafayette. But like I said, not any offensive prospects that are really standing out in terms of those three games. And then on January 13th will be the national championship uh, but we'll be back to talk, uh, uh, recap some of these bowl games before that game takes place. So there it is in terms of the tail of the tape preview and the rest of the bowl games, some things you should be looking at for, some prospects to really have on your radar, whether they're playing in the bowl games, whether they decide to sit out and start turning their attention to the pre-draft process. Those are the names that are most relevant uh, from the teams playing in these bowl games. Let's close out uh, the episode with, the NFL rookie report for week 16. A lot to talk about here as the NFL season is coming to a close. Let's start with the quarterback position first. That was a really intriguing week uh, at the quarterback position. And let's start with Daniel Jones. I mean, obviously we've talked a lot about him on this air. There's no secret that Matt and I are Giants fans. There's no secret that Matt and I hated the pick at the time of Daniel Jones. We thought he was a second-round prospect. We had a lot of question marks. We thought he was somewhere on the spectrum of Ryan Tannehill, uh, who before this year, that sounded like a knock to Kirk Cousins. I thought it was his upside. Uh, but this week, again, continued to show how wrong uh, I de- think my uh, evaluation on Daniel Jones was. 28 of 42, 352 yards, five touchdowns. His season totals now are up to 23 touchdowns and only 11 interceptions. He was the first rookie ever to throw for 350 yards, no turnovers, and five touchdowns. And, I mean, he's had weeks throughout the season, the Tampa Bay game, the Detroit game, the Jets game, now this game against the Redskins, that we're talking about four touchdowns, four touchdowns, four touchdowns, five five total touchdowns. Obviously, in between there, yeah, he had some rough games. He had some games that, you know, he didn't put up gaudy stats, but – to put up a season that he's had on a really pathetic team, a team that has offensive line issues, a team that has battled injuries to most of their pass catchers and their star running back throughout the year, 
I think it's been remarkable. A defense that doesn't stop anybody that, you know, constantly puts pressure on the offense to have to score points and make it obvious that they're passing. Daniel Jones has risen to the occasion. He has done superseded, I think, what anybody, even the people who were fans of his game, I don't think anybody foreshadowed this being the season that Daniel Jones had. 23 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, you know, three games with four touchdowns or more, a five touchdown game. Does he have things to work on? For sure. You know, the, the turnovers have been an issue all year, especially the fumbles, not so much the interceptions. I think 23 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. I think anybody would sign up for that in terms of a rookie season quarterback. Uh, ball security in terms of the fumbles is a huge issue that he needs to have corrected uh, for next season. His internal clock in terms of speeding it up a little bit, but his ability to go through progressions, his decision-making, his ball placement have all been superb at times this year for a rookie quarterback. He's had to withstand a constant pressure and he has stood tall in the pocket at times too much, but other times he's it's been completely uh, irrelevant to him. He will stand tall in the pocket. He will make a big time throw uh, as he's, as you know, he's under the barrel and as he's about to take a big hit. I think clearly the Giants made the right call for all the criticism and all the knocks, myself included. Daniel Jones has done nothing but but impress me this year with what he's done. Uh, similar to what I said about Josh Allen last year for the Bills, he's already did enough. How his career turns out the rest of the way, who knows? You know, a lot of factors go into that. Coaching, scheme, surrounding cast. I don't know if he's going to sit here and be a playoff winning quarterback or Super Bowl winning quarterback, but what he's already shown this year has already warranted the selection that the Giants gave him. The NFL is starving for quarterbacks. There are teams starving for quarterbacks. I said it last year. Josh Allen did enough his rookie year to show that the Bills were right in taking him in the top 10. Daniel Jones has already shown enough this season to show that the Giants were correct in picking him six. How his career turns out the rest of the way, who knows? But he's shown enough as a rookie quarterback in the environment that they've put him in that shows that he showed and he's warranted that that selection. And I think the ceiling is, is, is even higher. And I think he's going to clean up some of the issues that he had this year, namely the ball security in terms of fumbling. And when you put a better offensive line around him, more experience, I think Daniel Jones is going to become an above average to good, consistent NFL quarterback, a guy who can win division titles, get to the playoffs and be better than what I had estimated was. I thought best case scenario was, was somewhere between Ryan Tannehill, Andy Dalton and, and, and Kirk Cousins. I think he's going to be better than all three of them. I think his ceiling is much higher than what I think of those three guys leading up, you know, before this past NFL draft. This past week, uh, he was up against the guy the Giants passed, Dwayne Haskins. And Dwayne Haskins left that game with an injury, but before he left to an injury, 12 of 1,533 yards, two touchdowns. Some momentum here for Dwayne Haskins. Don't think he's going to play in the season finale, but Dwayne Haskins uh, in week 15 and then the first half of week 16 started to to click a little bit with his receivers and the offense. Obviously he's playing with a very inferior cast around him. Uh, A coach probably gonna have a new coach next year. Uh, There's some whispers that maybe Washington goes after urban Meyer. That would be interesting there. Uh, But Dwayne Haskins after looking really rattled and just not like an NFL caliber first round quarterback for most of what we saw from him early on in his rookie season, 
has started to show glimpses. And again, he was a guy that was very raw. He wasn't a guy that many thought was ready to step in and immediately be a contributor and success at the NFL level. But I think he started to show that progress and development. Uh, so it's clear that it's, he's going to get a, you know, obviously there's no more talk about Washington potentially taking a quarterback. Uh, Haskins going to get every opportunity there to grow and develop into the franchise quarterback that they thought he was when they picked him. Uh, and I think people got to give him that opportunity as bad as it looked early on this year. And it looked bad. And I, I was watching those games and I was like, wow, like this, you like to see some signs, even if it's not consistent, even if there's a lot of bad, you, you like to see some moments. Until the last two weeks, there was almost no signs of Dwayne Haskins putting it together. You saw the arm talent, but besides that, decision-making, you know, going through progressions, handling pressure, there was a lot of concerns. But he has shown some uh, growth and development down the stretch here of his rookie year, and I think that's good for in terms of uh, him going into his second season next year. Drew Locke coming off that poor game in the snowstorm in Kansas City this week looked much better against the Lions, 25 of 33, 192 yards and one touchdown. I think Drew Locke has done enough to warrant getting an opportunity next year to be the starting quarterback for the Broncos. Uh, so I do think he's going to get that opportunity there. So I think big arm. I love his athleticism of Drew Locke. Uh, and I've been impressed uh, with him in the limited amount of starts he's had so far uh, this year. Will Greer, a guy I talked about last week, I was excited to see him get his first opportunity. Uh, but remember, there was a reason why Kyle Allen, as bad as he was, continued to be the starter up until week 16. And it must have just been that they weren't really thrilled with what they were seeing from Will Greer in, in practice. And that kind of translated 27 to 44, a lot of checkdowns, Christian McCaffrey, three interceptions, really had a hard time deciphering coverages, uh, decision making, going through his progressions. Will Greer was a guy that I was a fan of. He was a guy that I thought could be a late first, early second round pick. Panthers took him, you know, in the end of the third round. Uh, but again, it's one week. I don't want to overreact to it, uh, but obviously it was a poor game by Will Greer. be very interesting to see what they think of Will Greer going into the offseason. A lot of talk that Cam Newton might not be back next year. They obviously got to hire a new head coach. Uh, does Will Greer get an opportunity to, you know, be in the mix? Do they do they get rid of Cam Newton and bring in a, a veteran and and he kind of tutors Will Greer or a guy that maybe could be a spot starter and and Will Greer and him battle it out? Very interested to see what Carolina what Carolina does at the quarterback position in the offseason, Whether they trade away Cam and if they do, do they try to get a a clear starting quarterback in there or more of a spot starter, you know, older veteran type? to battle it with Will Greer. I think what they do will speak volumes and maybe internally what they think about Will Greer. So that's going to be an interesting one to follow. Kyler Murray was performing really well against Seattle this past week, left the game with a hamstring injury. Uh, but my thoughts on Kyler Murray are very clear. I think the sky is the limit for him. I think he's going to be one of the top dynasty quarterbacks you want to try to get on your team after the Lamar Jackson's Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. I think you make the case that Kyler is right there in the mix. You know, maybe if it's more present, you 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 push for Russell Wilson. But I think the ceiling on Kyler Murray over the next couple of years is even going to be higher in terms of fantasy production uh, than Russell Wilson. So I think Kyler Murray is squarely in the top five mix in terms of dynasty quarterback assets that I'd want to get on my roster. If we take this to the running back position, uh, David Montgomery, 13 carries, 57 yards this past week, Chicago versus Kansas City. I continue to say, 
I had some concerns about David Montgomery. I liked him as a collegiate prospect, but I did have some concerns about his lack of athleticism translating. I think he's a solid running back. I just don't know if he's a clear-cut starting running back, three-down type player. And I think the Bears might be kind of seeing that, that I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, going into next year, if Nagy is still there, that they really change up the offense a little bit. They get back to Tariq Cohen being a bigger part week in and week out, similar to what he had, similar to his role last year. I think they've kind of been trying to force David Montgomery to be this bell cow three down back because they invested, you know, a significant draft pick in him. But I'm just not sure he's got the skill set at the NFL level. He runs tough. He's got some receiving capabilities, got great contact balance. But I don't know if he has the athleticism to be the the big time player that that maybe they thought they were getting. So it'd be interesting to kind of see. I think if I had David Montgomery in any dynasty leagues, I'd be kind of feeling out offers for him just to kind of see what maybe a big fan of Montgomery from the the previous season might be willing to pay for him if they still envision a scenario where he could be a, a RB one or strong RB two for fantasy. I don't think I see that in the future for him. Uh, other things, Justice Hill, keep an eye on this week. He might get a lot of run. Uh, Ravens going to rest a lot of guys in week 17. This past week, after Mark Ingram's injury, Hill had three carries for 19 yards and a touchdown, three catches for 32 yards. I want Justice Hill on my dynasty rosters in this offseason. He's a guy that I will be trying to get a hold of in leagues because I do think next year he could have a bigger role in that offense and would only take about 9 to 12 touches a week, I think, to have some fantasy viability. Uh, Miles Sanders. A couple weeks in a row now, really productive. This past week, 20 carries, uh, just under 80 yards and a touchdown, but really showing off in the receiving game. Five catches for 77 yards. Miles Sanders having a really strong finish to his year. I think his redraft value next year is probably going to be round two or round three. His dynasty value is going to be high. Uh, Stock up on Miles Sanders right now. Does he still have things to work on? Yeah, his vision at times is is a concern, but his, his, his overall athleticism, his three down capabilities, I think is very intriguing in terms of fantasy uh, that I think hopefully the vision component of it, which was an issue coming out, you know, that we talked about a little bit. I think that's still an area of that. He's got to develop more, but if he shows some growth in that, I think we're talking about a guy who could be, you know, top 15 running back in terms of fantasy uh, for sure. If we take this to the pass catchers, a couple of guys I want to mention at the tight end position, I know Dawson Knox has not been a high volume guy, high target guy, but I do think that as Buffalo's offense becomes a little bit better and more consistent, I do think Dawson Knox is a guy who could develop into a low tight end or high tight end two type. So for people that play in two tight end leagues or tight end premium leagues, I do think Dawson Knox is a guy who's a little bit intriguing. He's a guy, I remember, didn't have a lot of catches, didn't have a lot of production at Ole Miss. So it's still learning the position, the nuances of, of receiving. Uh, but I do like his overall athleticism. He's shown some glimpses this year. I think he's a guy who might be a good offseason to try to buy low on. And then let's talk about Caden Smith, a very intriguing player. If you go back, not before this, you know, not before last college football season, Caden Smith was a guy who was regarded as a top five tight end prospect for the 2019 NFL draft. He was on everybody's top five boards prior to the season starting last year. He was a guy who reminded me of late career Jason Witten. What I meant by that, not a really 
athletic guy, but a guy who I thought really knew how to use his body well to create space at the catch point, was really good at attacking the ball, using that size to his advantage, boxing out defenders, thought he had great hands, thought he did really good at the catch point. And then as this, as his final season at Stanford kept happening, you kind of heard the whispers that the NFL wasn't that high on Caden Smith, that they had a lot of athletic concerns. Then he didn't perform well in the pre-draft process. He goes undrafted. You know, once upon a time, there were people saying he had a day two grade. And then the, the lack of athleticism, you know, really showed in the pre-draft process. But in terms of just catching the ball, his hands, his receiving capability, his savvy in terms of his route running and route understanding, and then his ball skills and and what he's able to do at the catch point, I thought we're all really strong. So I bring him up here as a guy who now is up to like 23 catches, 170 yards and three touchdowns this past week, two catches. I mean, six catches, two of them for touchdowns. Uh, He's a guy that Daniel Jones seems to have a little bit of a rapport with. And I just mentioned the name because there's been some whispers in New York about the Giants maybe shopping Evan Ingram. You know, they're going to have to make a decision on his fifth-year contract soon, fifth-year option, I should say, in his rookie contract. If there's any reason that the Giants trade Evan Ingram, I think Caden Smith is an intriguing guy. So just keep an eye on Caden Smith. If you have a deep, deep dynasty roster and you can get Caden Smith, especially if you're playing any tight end premium leagues, you may want to try to get Caden Smith on your roster and just kind of see what happens with Evan Ingram and if the Giants do think about trading him. At the wide receiver position, uh, Terry McLaurin finally shown some chemistry with Dwayne Haskins. I think McLaurin's going to be a stud in this league. I, you know, he's a guy that Matt and I really liked. I comped him to Golden Tate, uh, you know, but more of a younger Golden Tate when he was at Notre Dame, when he was with the Seahawks. You know, Golden Tate now is thought of mostly just exclusively as a slot player, but that was not his calling card at Seattle or at Notre Dame. He would win vertically down the field. His ball, his ball skills, his physicality in terms of his routes and at the catch point, even for a smaller guy. Terry McLaurin is a really good route runner. Uh, his, his crispness in and out of breaks, his ball skills. I think McLaurin has the capability to be a top 20 wide receiver in this league and be a guy who's a consistent you know, wide receiver too in fantasy and should be a, a dynasty asset that people are trying to get on their roster. So check in on the Terry McLaurin owner, see how they're valuing him this offseason. Uh and then I'll mention it now, and I'll probably mention it in, in when we do the seasonal NFL rookie report in terms of, you know, our thoughts overall going into the offseason. Don't forget about Preston Williams, you know, out of Miami. I mean, obviously, Devontae Parker is locked up long term there now, who finally blossomed. But I wouldn't be surprised if Devontae Parker and Preston Williams are their starting wide receivers if Preston Williams comes back from his injury okay. I think Preston Williams is a sneaky sleeper at the wide receiver position for a rookie who right now is kind of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, he'd be a guy I'd keep a close tabs on. And if Miami doesn't do much in free agency and or early in the draft and like the first 50 picks or so, Preston Williams is a guy I'd, I'd aggressively maybe try to get in dynasty settings. And maybe you can get him before even free agency or draft and kind of take a flyer on him uh, if the price is right. But again, if they don't go out and sign another veteran, you know, big name wide receiver or invest the top 50 pick, I think Preston Williams has a legitimate chance to develop into the number two to Devontae Parker. So keep a close eye on that. So there it is, guys, the NFL Rookie Report for Week 16. So what I'll probably do is hopefully Matt can join me back on the podcast next week uh, is we'll recap all the bowl games. Uh, We'll set the stage with our picks for the national championship. uh, And then we'll talk a little bit. 
you know, about, you know, stock up, stock down and some draft eligible prospects. If there's any news on other guys who have decided to show up for the senior bowl. And then similar to last year, I want to try to find some guests to do a seasonal NFL rookie report where we kind of talk about going into the off season, uh, stock up, stock down a little bit year in review in terms of the rookies. So I'll see what I can do in terms of maybe lining up some guests in the next week or two in that regards uh, to kind of talk about these rookies uh, as we enter the off season in terms of the NFL, their rookie seasons are over and kind of what we think about these guys to close out uh, their rookie years. And in terms of guys that we might be buying or selling in the off season, obviously a lot can change with free agency and stuff like that, but right immediate reactions to their season and what we think about them, maybe moving on uh, in terms of dynasty value. So that'll be fun. Uh, I did that last year. So hopefully I can get some guests and do the same thing this year as well. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. Hopefully you all have a happy and healthy new year and we look forward next time taking you, from Saturday to Sunday.